So here's the question I want to ask this morning. How are you feeling? Just don't answer that yet. I know that we have a cheap, easy answer that we, we you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Praise, praise you. God bless you. All is well. But like, how do, do you know how you're doing? Do you know what's happening on the inside. The struggle is real is really a conversation that I hope doesn't just end here uh, in a sermon series and we just listen and we take some things in, but we really kind of stay in that uncomfortable conversation of how am I doing? Am I winning from within? I'm excited. Next week, uh, part five of The Struggle is Real, we will be finishing up just for Thanksgiving, getting ready for Thanksgiving, we're going to be talking about the subject of lust. Isn't that an awesome subject to go right into Thanksgiving with? So grab your parents and your grandparents and have them watch with you. It's just going to be so awesome. Um, but we want, to, we want to go out with a bang. We want to go out with, um, you know, really giving some people some handlebars on how to win from within and how to take God's word and, and really uh, win in the struggle. And so we've been talking, we talk to a lot of people every week. And people are struggling in the area of of lust and sexuality and porn and all that stuff. So we're going to have a very uncomfortable conversation next week. Is that cool? Awesome. Okay, let's move on. Mark chapter 14, 27 says this. Jesus told them, you're all going to feel that your world is falling apart. And that's my fault. That's my fault. I, I, this, this whole thing that's happening, this cross thing, this, this me surrendering to the will of the Father, like, you're, you, it's, you're gonna feel this way. I'm, I'm initiating this. There's things I could do to get you out of this, but that would mean I don't go to the cross. There's a scripture that says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will go helter-skelter. But after I'm raised up, I will go ahead of you leading the way to Galilee. Peter blurted out, even if everyone else is ashamed of you, when things fall to pieces, I won't be. Jesus said, don't be so sure. Today, this is this very night, in fact, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. He blustered in protest. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others said the same thing. Peter attempts to do a boys to men song where he is sharing his devotion and his undying love for Jesus, and yet Jesus knows that feelings often rule, that what we feel determines where we go and what we do. And so again, in the struggle is real, I want to kind of submerge one layer deeper into emotions and what we feel, and I want to give you some tools, and if you will, the tool to really winning in our emotions and feelings. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for our church family. Wow, what a crazy year it's been. But we are confident that you are with us. We are confident, Lord, that what was accomplished on the cross 2,000 years ago is effective even during a pandemic, that you are moving on hearts And then you're setting up not only Sonoma County, but the world for something big. The stage is being put together. And your people are aligning and assembling together in a formation. We believe something is on the horizon. We will hope, we will believe, and we will be ready. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, amen. All right, so 
I don't know about you, but I grew up uh, a Saturday morning cartoon guy, all right? Whether it was DuckTales or Smurfs, that's the world I lived in. It was a Saturday morning, and I got maybe 30 minutes to an hour in the afternoons after school. Um, But I never forget when I had the realization that commercials were not all the same at different times of the day in different programs, I was probably nine or 10 and I was with Grandma Faithy up in Indianapolis spending a week with her. And while I was there, I was uh, subject to watching her favorite shows such as Murder, She Wrote and uh, uh, Golden Girls and so on and so forth. And it was then that I realized there's a whole slew of commercials that I've never even seen before. Uh, I've never seen the bathtub that actually has a door. I thought that was cool. Never seen, um, uh, you know, 1-800-BOB-LOB-LOB, call the attorney for your help if you've been in a car accident. That didn't show up after Smurfs, okay? Um, Operation showed up after Smurfs, and, and uh, Pop-Tarts and Mentos, the fresh maker, showed up after Smurfs, but, but not uh, hearing aid commercials, and have you been injured commercials, and pain medication, can I get an amen? You know what I'm talking about. And so th- there's, there's different commercials that are connected with different shows, right? If you, if you watch uh, The Amazing Adventure, you're going to see a Travelocity in a, in a Hilton Hotel commercial. Uh, the Bachelor you're, or The Bachelorette, you're going to see a commercial for a diamond. Every kiss begins with K. And uh, <coughs> there, uh, anyways, not, anyways, hallelujah. Uh, I may have peeked into a few of those, but um, Long story short is, is you're going you're gonna to find, you're gonna find that there is a, a, a kind of show and a kind of commercial that's connected to that show. And I want to submit today that there is a kind of action that we take, but there's also a kind of emotion that is connected to certain actions. And what we would like to believe, I know you would like to believe it, I'd like to believe it, what we would like to believe is that we are super logical creatures, that the decisions that we make, they are steeped in logic and discernment, getting all the facts, but the truth is, and studies show, that even the most simple of decisions that we make, there is lots of wiring and things going on, chemical reactions in our body, where we make decisions, we are making emotional decisions. We make decisions emotionally. Even when we think it's logical, it's many times illogical because it's, we've tricked ourselves into believing this is pure logic. We're making a good decision. And it really is, in so many ways, steeped in how we feel. Everybody say feel. Now, if you, if you don't know this or you don't believe this, you, you can see this animated um, in our life. It could be driving down the road. My favorite is a red light. There's nothing worse than being number two at a red light. I feel like that's the most dangerous place. Um, number one is the person who's texting and they don't see the red turn to green. You know that, that crazy moment when they're gonna, they need to go straight or turn left and you're like, okay, now I have a decision to make. How long do I wait to honk? And how long do I honk for, right? Isn't that a hard one? 
Because you don't want to miss the light, but you don't want to get them mad because you know a fast honk or a long honk can get you a wave, right? Minus a few fingers. It can get you a dirty look. And there's nothing worse than the person behind you giving a long, hard honk to the person in front of you and the person in front of you thinking it was you that honked. Can I get an amen? Isn't that just a little anxiety there? Maybe that's just me. I'm working through it. The struggle is real. And so what are your options? You can't drive fast and pull up next to him and be like, I, that wasn't me, it was the guy behind me, you know? Because you realize, like, the, that wasn't me, the guy's behind me looks like, I want to fight you back there. That's what it looks like when you mouth that. You're stuck, right? And so it's tender because people, you know, there's emotions in everything we do. And, and, and if we don't see that, we don't realize that. Then, then we won't know how to manage our emotions. And if we don't manage our emotions, then we'll mismanage our life. There's people who have good intentions, but they're mismanaging their life because they're not managing their emotions. Someone asked me, what are the good emotions and what are the bad emotions? And this is kind of like when my kids ask me, is this milk good or bad? And we have in our home the Puritans and we have the rebels. We have the Puritans who are like, if it's the expiration date is yesterday, we're throwing it out. And then we got the rebels, who's my wife and I, and we're like, smell it. And if it doesn't smell bad, we're using it in Jesus' name. How do you discern between a good emotion and a bad emotion? I want to submit this idea to you at the onset here that there are no such things as good emotions or bad emotions. Nitroglycerin is a powerful chemical that has the power to blow up a bridge and has the power to heal someone's heart who's having a heart attack. Emotions can be used for good and bad. Anger can be used for good and bad. Sadness can have a right place and a wrong place. Happiness, sadness, fear, anger. Hey, did you know that God gave you all of these emotions? They are all sanctified when they're in their right place. When they're out of place, there's something wrong. For instance, uh, Nehemiah wept for Jerusalem. He heard about Jerusalem. He wept. And his weeping and the emotions energized him, invigorated him to go do something about it. Sadness is not bad. But if you're sad in a room full of people who are happy, then that's out of place. Or how about hate? When Cain uh, heard the word of the Lord, Cain, you, you got to be careful. Your, your attitude's changing. You gave, you gave a, a, an offering that didn't come from the heart. It wasn't what I've asked. And sin is crouching at the door. And instead of hating his actions enough to repent, he hated his brother enough to kill him. It was displaced emotion. And so I want you to know that God has given us emotions. Don't beat yourself over the head for feeling anger. The Bible says be angry, but don't sin. It's okay to feel those things. A lot of times us Christians, we try to make women out of men and we try to make robots out of women by re-engineering how we are made. God wired us a certain way. Anybody ever heard of mad? Mothers against drunk driving. I like that. I like moms who go, we're mad about this. Our daughters were killed. Our 13-year-old 13 13 daughter was killed. We're feeling emotion. It invigorates me to do something, to change legislation. And so this is not a sermon about just, just, tamper, your, just tamper your emotions 
and just, you know, just, just make sure that, that you create an environment that is so pure and sterile that, that you'll never feel a certain way too much. No, God has animated you with emotion. Emotion is not a bad thing, but if it's in the wrong place, it's no longer an invigorator, it's a legislator. And we're not supposed to be driven fully by feelings, right? If it's in the wrong place, then we'll be doing the wrong things. I, I read this story a couple weeks ago. I, I, I saved the link, read it again this week. BBC wrote about a territory of the United States, I didn't even know it existed, called Palmyra Atoll. It's basically between Hawaii and uh, the Samoan Islands. How many would love to be in Hawaii right now? We've got some friends flying there right now. I'm so jealous. It's a godly jealousy. It's an emotion of love, <laughs> but a confusion of why they didn't invite us. But anyways, <clears throat> um, it's this little island, and there's an interesting story about this ecosystem, and it, 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 it's got this thriving, amazing ecosystem, and in World War II, some U.S. Navy ships uh, came and docked, and what they didn't realize was accidentally some rats got onto the island off of the boat. Now, you think, a couple rats aren't a big deal. I've got some in my attic and some in the subflooring, and the neighbors act like rats sometimes, and you learn to live with them. But something drastically happened. It went from rats on the island to the manta rays leaving. And you think, how can that even be possible? And it was the rats began to eat the seeds and began to eat the baby crabs and began to eat the, the eggs from the seabirds. And what we, I didn't even realize till this article is that uh, I, I think it's 5% of the land mass of the world is islands, 5%. That includes Australia. So you take Australia away, it's even le way less than that. But over 20% of the bird population are on islands in the world, 20%. And so these islands and these reefs depend on these birds flying over. In fact, the coral reefs depend on the droppings of the bird to keep them, keep the nutrients for these coral reefs to stay alive. That's what, that's what feeds them. And so when the coral reefs started going bad, the, the, the plankton stops showing up. How many, how many knew about plankton? I didn't know about plankton until this, read this article. Did you know that plankton is, 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 um, uh, the plankton gives us 50% of the oxygen we're breathing right now. 80% of the oxygen we breathe comes from the ocean. I didn't even know that. Let's protect our oceans. Anyways, um, 50%. So the plankton leave, small fish leave, large fish leave, manna, manna rays leave, sharks leave. And it all happened because the wrong species got into the wrong ecosystem. A rat began to change everything. And that's what a, an emotion that's out of place becomes. It becomes a rat that begins to change the ecosystem of our lives. Some of us have misplaced emotions. Some of us have put our emotions in the wrong. We've acted a certain way. But we have to first understand that there has to be a guiding force of these emotions. In fact, there are 39 emotions that Jesus had in the Bible, 39. Do you know he had 39 stripes? There's 39 diseases and 39 emotions and Jesus received the pain from sin for each one of those. That means each one of those are redeemable. Every emotion that you can ever have is redeemable. It has a purpose. Jesus had compassion, amazement, anger, grief, joy, love, etc., etc., etc. But here's the deal. Emotions are to be invigorators but not to be our legislators, not to be our dictators. The next thing, emotions are also indicators 
of things that are happening inside of us. If you hear something, see something, and it brings up an emotion that's out of place, that is God saying, hey, something's wrong here, pay attention. Because Christianity isn't dealing with symptoms, it's dealing with these, this world inside of us, and this world inside of us springs up through feeling and emotion. Peter, he is off in his feelings because he's off internally in his motives and his understanding of God's plan. He doesn't understand God's plan. He doesn't understand God's hand in the situation. So he's now projecting his ideas into the situation. Now he has misguided emotions and his feelings toward what Jesus is doing on the cross are mismanaged. And now he's gonna mismanage himself by cutting someone's ear off and denying Jesus to a little servant girl around a fire because he couldn't manage this. What if, our, what if our emotions were these indicators like a fire alarm, a smoke detector? What do you do with a smoke detector? Well, you're supposed to change the batteries regularly. I had to do that a couple weeks ago. That was a lot of fun. Here in the beep, beep, do the little test. I just need one beep. I don't need eight beeps. That thing is ear piercing. But if a, a smoke detector goes off, what you don't do is smash it with a hammer. You go, is this warning me about something? If it goes off, you don't just cover your ears and go, I can't deal with it, I can't deal with it. You pay attention, is, there, is it indicating something? Or you don't just stand underneath and go, you know what, I'm just gonna learn to live with it. I'm just gonna learn to take this in, this, this noise. And that's what people have done with emotions, They've learned to live with these indicators that God's going, something's off. He said, you're supposed to weep when people weep and rejoice when people rejoice. But if you're rejoicing when people are weeping and you're weeping, you're sad when people are having a good time, something, there's an alarm that something is off internally. Emotions are indicators. Say that with me. Emotions are indicators. So, so here's the big idea. Emotion is data. Knowledge plus emotions equals feelings. So there is something that's guiding our feelings. Emotions are happening inside of us. We're, we're sensing things. We're in a world that is constantly stimulated. But what is the driving force? Hopefully not feelings and emotions. If we frame our worldview on how we feel, then we will come up with a subjective reality. So where do we find objective truth? Where does objective truth come from? Because if the information inside of me is off and my emotions are doing this, now my emotions are misguided, my feelings are wrong, my response will be incorrect. So it goes back to what I know. It goes back to the framework of the objective truth I live by. This becomes the guiding force of my emotions which become my feelings, which become the thing that changes everything. Paradigm shifts that happen in us. Ideas, explanatory styles. An explanatory style is the, the story you tell yourself about a thing. Someone doesn't show up to your date. You can think, I hope they're okay. You can be nervous, it's an emotion. You can think, I got stood up. You can be angry. You can think, they're late, they're going to get me some roses and some chocolate and you could be happy they're late. Of course he wouldn't be on time. He's going to do something special. The story you tell yourself can determine the emotion that you have. 
So the question is, is where is the story coming from? Where's the story coming from? With Peter, he overestimated his strength because he underestimated his emotions because the story he had in his mind about what Jesus was about to do and experience was wrong. He believed the wrong thing, so he felt the wrong way about it. And so this is where we have to ask the question, what is the thing, what is the, what is the knowing that we have? Paul said it like this, he goes, look, we're sorrowful, but full of rejoicing. There's things happening in us, but we see the meta-narrative. There's a framework of knowing that is causing, that is helping our emotions be guided correctly. Paul on a ship in Acts chapter 21. Remember Paul? Everyone is flipping out. The boat looks like it's about to crash. There's a boat going from Palestine to Rome. And it's about to sink. And everybody's like, we're jumping off. I mean, everyone's like, get off the boat, Jack. We got to find a way, you know? Not, you know. It's like a Titanic movie, right? Everyone's jumping and Paul's like, hey, stay with the boat. Calm down, everybody. Why are you acting that way? He's acting that way because he feels different than everybody else feels. Because he knows something nobody else knows. He knows that the word of the Lord came to him and said, you're gonna be all right, no one's gonna die. Stick with the ship and you will be okay. He knew something no one else knew, so he felt what no one else felt. And so we gotta know the right stuff so we can guide our emotions and feel the right way so we can lead our lives in the right direction. Again, I'm not trying to say we suppress our emotions. I'm not saying that we, we get high every day so we just don't deal with our emotions. I'm saying these emotions that God gave you are not for commotion. They're to drive you to be animated and alive and do great things in life. When God puts his spirit on you and you weep and you've never wept before and you weep for nations or you weep for a community and you weep for a person, Pay attention to those emotions. They're indicators. God uses emotion. Amen. But if it's misplaced, if jealousy is misplaced, it becomes dangerous. If anger becomes misplaced, it becomes dangerous. If happiness is misplaced, it becomes dangerous. It's like the rat in the wrong ecosystem. So let's look at a guy named Joshua. Joshua chapter one and six says this. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Watch this. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful in whatever you do. Keeping this book of the law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night. Now, if I'm about to go into battle mode and for the next 40 years possess the land, I would like God to come down like Mr. Miyagi and have me paint the fence and sand the floor and wax the car. I, need, I, I grew up a slave. I don't know how to fight. And the only instruction that God gives Joshua and the people of God as the instruction to be courageous, strong, and don't have fear is you need to have the word of God framing your thoughts. Because if you have the right thoughts, 
then your emotions will be in alignment. Because if you don't have that building block and mindset, that worldview, the construct of Christ's truth, right? The word of God, then you're gonna feel things. A giant comes and all of a sudden, that giant is out of context. You go, how could God let this happen? But in context, his word, oh, I knew this would happen. He's given us the victory. It all makes sense in the meta-narrative of the truth of God. This is objective truth in a subjective world. You see, everyone's living all, have you heard this? Have you heard this statement? My truth. Just live out your truth, man. I'm like, what, what does that mean? Well, how I feel today. Well, what if you change tomorrow? Then you become inconsistency which is what our world is. It's sinking sand because we're framing truth based on feelings. Feelings are fickle. And that's why I'm here to implore you, part four of the struggle is real, is the only anchor to keep you sane, to give you mental health, to give you stability, is the framework of the word of God. Period. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 says this, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You see, everything that is spoken by Satan is a lie. And the lie is to invigorate us to get to the wrong emotion because if we live our truth based on emotion, then if we have the wrong emotion, then we'll come to the wrong conclusion and then we'll believe a lie and we'll be in trouble. So what does the Bible teach us? It teaches us that the word of God, in Hebrews 1, it says, the word of God, it sustains the universe. The brightness of the glory of Christ. And his word sustains. If the word of God can sustain the universe and keep things in order, then the word of God can sustain this mind and heart. And, and I, I'm not against feeling because feeling is the byproduct of truth. We feel our faith. We lean in. We're not a, we're not a it's all internal. I mean, we're a, you, you, if you've been around Promise Center long enough, you, you know we feel our faith. Like, we want to know what you're weeping for. We want to know what passion is burning inside of you. We want to know what God is igniting. So emotions aren't bad. But if, if, if every reality we have is only framed up by feelings, then when that feeling goes away, you have to rebuild your life because your whole life has been built on an emotion and a feeling and not an objective truth. And that's the beautiful thing about the word of God. It is the objective truth that frames the world and keeps my world sustainable in a world where the struggle is real. So, so what do we do? He says, I want you to meditate on the word day and night. Now, when you think meditation, you're gonna think Eastern religion or Western psychology, and you're gonna think about you know, Western psychology is just dumping more information into your brain. And Eastern meditation is about emptying all the information out of your brain. 
But what the word of God teaches us is that the practice of meditation is allowing the word to move through your mind. You sit on it. You ruminate on it. You chew on it. You rest in it. You think about it. You park your car in the driveway. You go into the house. You abide in that word. You take that scripture, that chapter. You think about it. You process it. You frame the way that you think. It's running through the free frontal, free, pre, uh, frontal cortex. It's running through the, 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 the lobes. It's running through your mind. It's running through your heart and it's going into your spirit. And it's just the, the, the somatic nerves are firing the word of God in your brain. The word that made the universe is now firing in the nerve endings of your brain. Think about you meditating on the word, his truth. You're reforming the shape of your mind. So when you see something bad no longer are you afraid of it you say this is an opportunity how did the people in the bible how did they perceive so different how did they see trouble as an opportunity how did they how did they weather storm and process pain they did it because their mind was different and what jesus is trying to do with peter in this in this moment this upper room experience is you're going to feel a certain way but let me give you some data the story's not going to be done i'm going to be raised on the third day and i'm going to meet you in galilee I want to give you the right information so your emotions don't get off. And Peter, all he can think about is, I'll fight for you, I'll die for you. Peter, your emotions are mismanaged because you're not hearing what I'm saying. You're interjecting what you want to feel into the story. I need you to hear the story and feel your way through that truth. There's a lot of us who are feeling things right now. Some are feeling great disappointment, great fear. The news, you get, you get, you get fed and you go, oh my God, I got that. I, I have a family member, I'm not gonna say who, I'm not gonna say Charity's name in front of everybody, but she <laughs> reads about something. She's like, I think I have that lump or I think that that, and I have another family member, I'm not gonna say her name, but Andrea too will hear something and read it and oh my goodness and and it's easy to, to take, in, and we have to have a bigger story that's narrating the smaller subplots. We need to be connected. Psalms 1 and 1 through 4, watch this, it says this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates in his law day and night. What is this telling us? is telling us if we don't have that framework, we're gonna be fickle. We're gonna be tossed to and fro, walking, stepping, sitting with the wrong people, end up in the wrong places. But the person who delights in the Lord and meditates on his law, that person's like a tree planted by the streams of water, planted, unmovable, unshakable, strong, resistant to drought. When they talk about a drought in California, Tell that to the trees along the Russian River. They're planted next to a source. And every season, there is no drought. There may be a drought out here, but there's no drought in here. Why? Because I'm planted and God's word is the framework by which I see and perceive everything. It's amazing what a paradigm shift is. You've heard me tell this story before because it's one of my favorites. I think it animates the idea of of a... a paradigm shift like no other story. 
Stephen Covey on the subway. He's going on the subway like from, from the, the south part of Manhattan to the north part of Manhattan. It's a long ride, many stops. A dad and his two boys get on the, get on the subway train. The boys are jumping all over. You don't do that in New York. You don't get on people and bump into people. So finally, his patience wore out. He goes, can you get your boys to stop to the dad? The dad just looks down. He goes, I'm so sorry. We just left the hospital. Their mother just passed. I just told them they'll never see their mom again. They're acting out. Stephen Covey said that little bit of information changed the way he felt toward those boys. So there are certain ways that you're feeling toward things and people and ideas and the political nature. And we have certain feelings, feelings, feelings. But what if we are one statement? What if we are one bit of information or understanding away from going, that, okay, that changes the way my heart sees that. I don't want my emotions to drive my life. I want truth, objective truth, to be the guiding force that guides these emotions to be all the animated person that God has called me to be. The word of God. Isaiah 26 and three, people with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole. People with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole. Steady on their feet because they keep it, keep at it and don't quit. Keep the mind, keep the mind, keep the mind. Because the information dictates the emotion and the feeling. And the feeling, where my, where my feelings go, my life flows. And can, can I just tell you that the practice of the word of God, say it with me, the word of God, the word of God. This is not something we can just, you ever, you ever been with a, a fast eater? If you've ever eaten with me, you've been with one. My wife's amazing. She's like, we've got these signals, you know, one kick under the table, two kicks under the table, three kicks under the table. She goes like seven or eight kicks. I, I, I don't know what's happening. But about four or five, they all have a signal. One's like, chew. You need to chew your food. Reading without meditating is like swallowing food whole. You can't digest it. Ruminating, sitting in it, being uncomfortable asking the word questions. Jesus was the word of God. And what did he do? He walked through towns and changed mindsets. Let the word of God walk through every part of you, every preconceived idea, every notion, every mindset. Stay in the word until it challenges you. I know some of you have been in church a long time and you've got this down. You got, start the practice of meditation again. Meditate the word, stay in the word. Even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, quality, not quantity. Well, I read the whole Bible. What did you read? Read it in a whole year. What'd you read? I don't remember, but I got through. I feel good about it. And it hasn't changed you from the inside. The way we're gonna win, the way we're gonna be that tree planted by the rivers of water, unshakable, unmovable in a world where mental health is on the rise. We're working on the curve here. We're trying to, we're trying to get uh, COVID-19 to go down, down, down. But there's others. There's this, this mental health issue that is on the rise again and again and again and again and again. And one of the reasons they're saying is because there's no truth. There's no objective truth. There's no anchor. There's no anchoring values. All of a sudden, it's how you feel. And how you feel determines what you do. I'm gonna tell this story and it's not in my notes to tell and I'm gonna tell this 
because I feel like it needs to be told. I feel like if I don't tell it, I'm disobeying what is in my spirit right now. And I'm gonna say this because this is, a, this is a very controversial conversation. So I'm not asking for forgiveness, but I'm asking for patience for help me to get through this and say it and say it carefully and say it with a heart of love for a group of people. But I was talking with a ministry leader in the East Bay, Berkeley, Oakland, and they work with the transgender community. And let me just say this, we will never mistreat people, ever. But I said, I don't understand this. Tell me what's happening. And this is what they said. They said, people aren't happy with themselves. This is the story. And this is the story that's coming from people who get to the end of the road. And this is why depression and suicide is the highest among this group. And they feel a certain way and they feel, and they, they, they have no anchor and they feel, 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 feel. And they go, I gotta change this. If I change this, if I change this. And they're looking and they're pining and they change. And they get in an echo chamber, people celebrating them and they make a change. It's not enough. They make a change. It's, it's chemical. It's physiological. Change, change. And they get to the end of this road and they're celebrated and they feel no better. And they said the crisis is they have felt their way through these decisions and they end with crisis. It's a crisis that we as the church have got to pray about and think about because this is not the only journey. There's other, there's other journeys of people getting to this place where they think if they can follow their feelings at the finish line, there's this place where I will feel good. And I want to tell you, like there's an objective truth to the word of God that brings clarity to the world that brings clarity to the heart, that brings clarity to me, and it allows me to process the world correctly and feel my way through the world appropriately. With drugs, I was in a study this week, these opioids that send a signal to the brain that is the same signal, the same chemistry cocktail in the brain of being held by your mom. We're a feeling people. We're feeling. It's honest. I'm, I'm looking to feel well. Look, I'm. I just want to tell you like the Word of God has the power to narrate our lives in a way that all of these emotions have their right place. The manta ray is where it's supposed to be, the coral reef, the rats back on the boat. Let's get all of this ordered in the ecosystem of God. Amen? So I want you to make, again, we're not making a promise like Brother Peter did in here, but I want you to make an internal vow to lean into the meditation, the framework of the word of God. God, I want to meditate on your word because there's a struggle inside of me. I pray for every community that's struggling, every group of people. There are so many different pandemics that are happening right now in our world. And I really believe that the same word that was spoken in Genesis 1, 
let there be. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. His word is living power. It frames and orders our world. The word comes to Nehemiah and he cries when he's supposed to cry and he fights when he's supposed to fight. He rises up and he settles down when he's supposed to because he's got the framework. Heavenly Father, right now, I just, I implore you that you give us that appetite again for your word. Those who abide in your word will be fruitful. You promise those who who know your word, abide in your word, the truth lives in them, that the truth would make us free. We become free people when the word is living, breathing inside of us. Let me see the way you see. Even if it goes against my feelers, even if it challenges my emotional assumptions, There are people walking in darkness who are trying to feel their way through life and they are hurting. They are pining for truth. Lord, you are truth. Wherever you are at home or in your kitchen or if you're here, would you just make that declaration? You are truth. Your words are living truth. Joshua, you're about to face giants. You're about to possess the land. The biggest thing that's ever been done. The biggest movement that's ever happened. Here's what I need you to do. Don't let the word of God leave your mind or your lips. Because your emotions are going to want to respond a certain way. You're going to want to wave your finger to heaven and say, why, 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 why? But when you have the framework right, the right information... It changes everything. Today, my wife sent me a picture this morning. There was some hair in the sink. Sister Pastor doesn't like hair in the sink. It's like seven kicks underneath the table. And so I explained to her that the water has been, it's not been draining at the same speed where normally those hairs from the beard would slowly or quickly be pulled in, but now they're settling. And just that simple bit of information put a smile on her heart, smile on her face, changes everything. I wonder what we need to know to feel differently. I wonder what we need to know that we don't know to feel differently. I wonder what we need to know to feel differently. Lord, show me. Reveal it to me. Paul felt the way that nobody felt because he knew something nobody else knew. I want to speak to anyone here or watching if if you do not know Jesus today I want to tell you he's your friend he knows you better than anybody on this planet 
He's your creator. He's your Lord. And if you'll cry out to him, if you'll call out to him, if you will repent of your sins, say, I've done it my way. I've followed feelings and it's led me to this, this fictitious finish line. I want Jesus in my life. If you can pray that prayer today, something will happen in your heart that will change your life forever and ever and ever. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You know who you are. You know who's listening. The Lord knows who's supposed to be watching this right now. And here we go. I'm gonna pray for you. Pray these words, the spirit of these words. My Father in heaven, I receive your love. I believe that you died for me. I wanna be born again. I feel dead inside, but I believe in the resurrection power of Jesus. You raised Christ from the dead, and you can raise me up. Take what was dead and make me living again. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Heal me. Renew me. Make me clean. Forgive me. In Jesus' name, I'll never be the same. I receive your mercy. I receive salvation. I receive hope. I call upon you, Jesus. You are the truth. You are the living word. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory. We beheld the glory. We beheld your glory. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's clap our hands and celebrate every person that prayed that prayer. We have a book called Following Jesus. You do not, do not want to miss it. You want to get this book. This book is important going to give you keys, how to follow. Let us know that you made that decision. Connect with us online. Connect with us. Make sure that we are connected, that we know how you're doing, what you're going through. We want to pray for you, cover you. We love you, church family. We honor you. Let's worship one more time. Right at home, right where you are, would you stand? Let's worship. Let's lean in one more time. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us.